0: That's 800. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We are... Pastor Ray Greenlee and Alexandra Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel and I just read from Isaiah 53, 35
2: We need revival The church is like a huge organization It has everything except the mighty moving of God We have equipment but not endowment. We have commotion, but not creation. We have action, but not unction. We have lots of shaking and rattling, but not revival. Spirituality is buried in activity. If then we really desire revival we're going to have to get down to business with God. Like men in the barn, we must be prepared to accept the burden for revival as our own personal responsibility and solemnly covenant with God upon the basis of His covenant promises, 2 Chronicles 7.14. The binding conditions of that agreement demands, first of all, a humbling of ourselves that we may have clean hands and pure hearts and be able to stand in his holy hill. There will have to be a an honest confession of every sin, a turning away from all wickedness, a forsaking of every doubtful habit, an utter surrender to Christ. Revival must be the dominating desire of life. For many, it will mean the giving up of idols that have been cherished for years. For others, it may mean a visit to the tents, as in the days of Achan, to unearth some of the things hidden there. It may be a wedge of gold or Babylonian garment or some... Spoils of battle. These have to go before the blessings of the Lord can come. One thing is very certain. That whatever the finger of God points to in our lives in condemnation. That thing must go. Eight men. Travailing before God for five lonely months. Was not enough to bring revival if a covenant keeping God does not answer and fulfill. But He is a covenant keeping God. His promise then man must completely fulfill the conditions laid down. He must humble himself and turn from his wicked ways there had not only to be the challenge of clean hands and pure hearts, but also the experience. And this could only come from personal confession of all sin and complete unreserved surrender to Christ. What would happen in your life if you began to put away everything of the world, everything of the flesh, If you began to turn off the television, stop spending hours on the Internet, what would happen if you earnestly, honestly, began to seek God with all your heart, believing that he wanted to send revival? Now, there are many who listen to this broadcast who've grown very tired of our speaking about revival. You want us to change the subject. You want us to go another way. In fact, many have even stopped donating to help cover the cost of the radio because they're upset with our continued calling for repentance and revival. We don't have anywhere else to go. Either God comes in mighty Holy Spirit power, or this nation is lost. And destruction will come quickly as it did upon Sodom and Gomorrah. America will burn. Now it requires prayer, prevailing prayer. That is, prayer that wins, prayer that doesn't stop, prayer that pushes all the way through. Prevailing prayer always begins with travail. I looked up that word travail just to make certain that I understood what it means. The definition of travail, to suffer the pangs of childbirth, to be in labor, to toil or exert oneself. It comes from the old French word, meaning to torture, to torture, literally an instrument of torture, literally to travail, is to push through in agony and pain. How do you do that? When you begin to pray in the manner I'm suggesting, all casualness is gone. All tame praying is finished. And you begin the travail by dealing with your own wicked heart, by dealing with those questionable things in your life that need to go. You cannot travail and watch the television. You cannot travail and feast on all of the commotion of our culture. You're going to have to come apart and set time, set time where you will pray and seek the face of Jesus. You pray until the answer has come. Churches that have no weeping No confession, no prayer or fasting do not have visitations from on high. In the days of the prophet Ezekiel's vision, did God not say to the man with the inkhorn by his side, Go through the midst of the city and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that we've done, in the midst thereof, Ezekiel 8.4. What God is looking for today, as in the days of old, is not a people with an outward sign of respectability, not a, a church with a big attendance, not even a scholastic preacher whose name is known nationwide. The Lord is looking for those whose hearts are burdened and broken and whose eyes are red with weeping before him because of the sins and the abominations of the cities. Weeping in the pulpit, weeping in the pew is the divine price for visitation from on high.
1: Today, America stands at the crossroads of destiny Faced with an unavoidable choice, the mark of the man with the inkhorn or the mark of the beast. It must be revival through a people upon their faces before God or Antichrist. Unless there are tears in the pulpit and tears in the pews, there will be tears in the streets and homes. For already this great nation staggers beneath its gigantic burdens of spiritual declension, moral deterioration, material corruption, and thousands of demoralized lives and homes. Added to this is the ever-growing threat of a nation overrun by false philosophies like Communism, liberalism, the New Age movement, plunged into indescribable chaos resulting in race riots, civil war, and millions slain through invasion of godless hordes. In view of these tremendous facts, what is the verdict of the man with the inkhorn as he passes our way? Is the mark upon our foreheads? The price is heavy, but as President Eisenhower declared, a soldier's pack may be heavy, but it is lighter than a prisoner's chains. Far better to pay the price of revival than to wear the shackles of a godless regime. Abraham stood before the Lord and interceded for godless Sodom until even divine grace was exhausted. Elijah stood before God for backslidden Israel until fire fell from heaven, the altars of Baal were broken down, and the nation had returned to God. And down through the centuries, men have dared to stand before God in holy desperation for the sins of their generation until God has moved out of his holy temple in nation-shaking revival. We treasure the memories of the great characters of bygone days who have caused multitudes to turn to Christ and whose God-anointed exploits are recorded in history. We think of men such as John Wesley, George Whitefield, Charles Finney, and Evan Roberts. We reverence their memories, build memorials, sing their praises. We do anything except imitate them. Each of these men could have pointed to a hallowed place by their bedside that was often wet with tears of intercession. These men prayed, oftentimes in such travail of soul that they lay exhausted in a pool of tears. David Brainerd prayed in such agony of soul that his body became abnormal. John Knox, whose prayer shook Scotland, was so desperate in prayer that to see him upon his knees was a sight that inspired awe. George Fox was so, so gripped to God in travailing prayer that men were often afraid to look at his face as he came out of his prayer room. The half-hearted prayer meetings of today are a mockery in comparison to the depth of spiritual travail of the men who in days past Caused nations to be swept by the power of God. The price for heaven sent revival has never changed. Before the floods of Holy Ghost conviction could sweep across the isles of the Hebrides, strong men must be broken before God, and upon their faces before God must travail in agony of prayer through the long hours of the night for months. To do this, in spite of the demands of home, family, work, these men had to make time for waiting before God. Outpourings from on high must be preceded by a willingness to make time to wait upon God. This is perhaps the greatest problem facing us today. We have all the modern luxuries of life to make work easier, and yet we cannot make time to pray. What a tragic paradox. Dr. Wilbur Smith very aptly stated the matter when he said, I never get time to pray. I've always got to make time. The flood tides of revival are waiting to be released upon the face of the earth and upon America. God's covenant promise is a guarantee of this. But before the sluice gates can be opened, we must make time to wait before God. And in that waiting before him, there must be travailing and prevailing prayer, irrespective of the godless world outside, irrespective of the many who are indifferent, and the very few who will stand with us like the prayermen of the Hebrides, emptied of self. We must throw every bit of our energy into desperate, travailing intercession until God hears from heaven. And America is swept by the burning, cleansing flame of Holy Ghost revival. Are we prepared to face this challenge? Are we Christians, are we the church, prepared to face this challenge? Dare we honestly enter into a covenant with God? If we do, then here are the covenant conditions laid down by God as the price we will have to pay.
2: I want you to listen very carefully. These are not casual conditions. These are absolute conditions. They're not open to being changed or modified. God doesn't change. These are his requirements. Number one, if my people will humble themselves. Literally, if my people will give up being right. If my people will give up ruling over others. If my people will humble themselves before God, before others, before self, Included in this process will be a deep, honest, heart-searching, heart-confession, turning from sin. It will mean forsaking the habits of darkness. It will mean paying restitution for things done wrong and a complete rededication to God and to His work. Humbling means I'm willing to give up being in charge of my life. I'm willing to say to God, use me as you choose. I belong to you. I humble my heart and will not disagree with what you do or say in my life, whether I like what happens or whether I don't like what happens. I am going to do what you've asked me to do. Now, for the last weeks, I've had searing pain in my back, and it took me a while to begin to catch on. That as I have cried out to God for healing in my back, it's that same kind of agonizing praying that He's asked me to do for revival. For you. I've been praying since early in the morning, early hours of this morning. I've been praying for you. I've been asking God to take the the pain of my back and flood that into my concern for revival. Some have said to me, Pastor, did you go to a doctor? No, I'm not against doctors. I just know that this is also spiritual. And I know that it's causing me to cry out in in painful prayer in a way I have not done for years. And so I'm praising God for the pain in my back and the crippling and the inability to go and do many of the things I'm accustomed to going and taking care of. Instead, I'm in the presence of God. Now, I pray he does not have to do that with you. I pray that you'll be more mature than me, and that you'll just enter easily and quickly into travailing prayer, humbling your heart before God. Number two, pray. By absolute faith in the certainty of God keeping his promise, travailing before God in earnest prayer, ever declaring before him his covenant promise until he hears from heaven. This praying will not depend on the amount of support received from others who join you, neither will it be influenced by those who refuse to join you. Its basis will be the solid fact of God's covenant promise. If we will, then he will hear from heaven. So we recognize that while we earnestly desire and need your support, your prayers, your financial support, that's not what we're dependent upon. We're dependent upon a covenant God who said, If you will do this, I will do that. And we're praying for revival in your heart. That you would turn from all casualness. That you would turn and seek God with all of your heart. Because number three is turn from their wicked ways. Before there can be a rededication There must be a renunciation. To have clean hands and a pure heart, there must be a turning away from anything that would contaminate the spiritual life. God is in his holy temple. To approach him, we must need stand upon the holy ground. To do this, we must be a holy people. It is here where the real heart-searching Must take place. For there are many things that represent wicked ways in the eyes of God that are perhaps held very lightly in our estimation. Achan's sin is a very easy one to fall into. The, The shekels of silver, the wedge of gold, the Babylonian garment make strong appeals to the flesh. And it's often a very easy step to yield to these desires and bring them into the tent, and then cover them up by making excuses to our conscience. Yet the stark fact is that there is nothing hidden from the eyes of him to whom we have to repent. We may cover things up from the eyes of our fellow men, but nothing is hidden from God, and the blessing of God may well depend on not only a clean life, but a clean dwelling place. There may be contaminating idols in the home that will have to go before we have completely turned from our wicked ways. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to wait before God in honest heart searching until he has revealed every wickedness that would hinder and then definitely and determinedly, by the grace of God, turn from them, whatever the sacrifice might entail, then and only then shall we stand upon covenant ground and hear the mighty God of the Bible days. Not only declare, call upon me, I shall show thee great and mighty things to come, but shall also see him move into action in the greatest spiritual awakening that the American continent has ever experienced. It is fitting that we should close this booklet with those challenging words from the Keswick magazine. We may organize, we may plan, but until we get on our faces before God and do business with a covenant keeping God, we shall not see revival. We can have our conferences. We can have our conventions. We can have our church services. We can speak of our wonderful times. But what we want and what we need is a fresh manifestation of the mighty power of God that brings men down into deep conviction to seek the Savior.
1: Here is the Bible-centered, Spirit-inspired term that has gripped the attentions of Christians the world over. Covenant Prayer. This prayer has lit the fires of revival, caused thousands to find Christ, and led multitudes into a new realm of power and blessing with God. The rising tide of spiritual power that is sweeping across the face of the earth has demonstrated the fact that men and women can enter into a solemn covenant with God upon the basis of God's promise and then, through covenant prayer, become recipients of power and blessing such as they have never known before. So what is meant by covenant prayer? In Palestine... Two tribal chiefs wishing to enter into a covenant will each cut a vein in the other's arm to cause the blood to flow. They will then put arm to arm to mingle the blood, which each one then drinks. From that moment, they become one, bound together by an indissoluble bond, stronger than any earthly tie. To prove their unity... They blend their names, as God did with Abraham, when he took the letter H out of his own name and added it to Abram's, saying, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. Genesis 17.5 This is of tremendous value to the smaller tribe. As from now on, it has the right to the power and prestige and resources of the more powerful covenant friend. When attacked by an enemy, his greatest weapon is to cry aloud the mighty name he now bears. Enemies know that the one who, called upon, who was called upon will immediately respond and come to the other's aid. They no longer face a small tribe but the mighty forces of the powerful tribe into which they have entered into covenant relationship. The more powerful chief then lays down conditions which the smaller tribe must implicitly obey. In turn, the smaller tribe has the right to call upon its powerful friend in any emergency, knowing he must immediately, with all his resources, come to his aid." the Eastern Blood Covenant to the smaller tribe has opened out a realm of power and victory and achievement that would otherwise be impossible. In Second Chronicles 7.14, Jehovah, the great covenant-keeping God, has laid down conditions whereby we who are called by his name may enter into a covenant with him that a new realm of power be opened to us. A covenant whereby God, bound by his own word, must hear from heaven on behalf of his people as they call upon him. First of all, however, there must be a decision to enter such a covenant. If my people will, then will I. Secondly, there must be absolute obedience to the conditions laid down in verse 14. Third, there must be implicit faith that God will stand by his word. Doubt or unbelief annuls the contract. This covenant is just as binding upon God as it is upon us. Through the covenant we are one with God and his purposes and have a covenant right to his resources and action. When men solemnly covenant with God upon the basis of his promise— and fulfill the conditions, they step into a new world of power with God. Covenant prayer is the answer to your need for revival. It has always been the answer. Before its tremendous power, impossibilities disappear from the midst of countless amazing miracles that God has wrought in this author's life. Through covenant prayer is the miracle healing that has thrilled and inspired thousands before the world. Each time I stand before an audience, I stand as living proof of the miracle working power of covenant prayer. Just a few years ago, suddenly stricken with polio and paralyzed from the waist downwards, I was pronounced as hopelessly incurable by five London specialists. Having heard of the amazing results of covenant prayer, in desperation my wife and I sought the face of God, according to the pattern of Second Chronicles 7.14, that a miracle might be raw and new health be given. Only God could have done anything in such a helpless case. A few weeks later, the answer came, suddenly and thrillingly. It was a dark, foggy morning, and as I lay helplessly in bed, praying, the whole of my room was suddenly filled with the wonderful presence of the Lord. It seemed as though the sun had suddenly shone through the fog and filled the whole of my room with light. A strange and wonderful peace swept over my weakened body. New life surged through my helpless muscles and strengthened by the mighty power of God. I stepped out of my bed, made every whit whole, without a mark of polio anywhere on my body. I was made perfectly well and in radiant health and strength. I stand today as a genuine miracle of God's goodness and power. The only one who entered my room that morning was the master himself with healing in his blessed hands. He came in answer to covenant prayer. In days when multitudes are proving the power of this wonderful Bible-centered prayer, a new world of power and blessing opens before you. If tonight, upon your knees, with an open Bible before you, you will enter a solemn covenant with God, Upon the basis of his own promise in second chronicles seven fourteen, and in absolute faith and obedience, fulfil the conditions laid down, a mighty covenant-keeping God will hear from heaven and meet your every need. Now, just to clarify this need that God will meet is not for selfish reasons, but it's for those who have set their hearts to seek God's kingdom and to seek God's righteousness and to devote their lives to loving and serving God.
2: And now the question is, do you want revival? And are you willing to lay down your life to meet the conditions of revival?
1: And not just do you want revival, but will you enter into a solemn covenant with God tonight to meet the conditions and to pray until revival actually comes?
2: And we really need and are eager for partners in prayer who will cry out to God, who will meet the conditions. Who will leave all sin who will wait upon God with us in covenant we have made that covenant with God and we are walking in that covenant now and we know he will answer us now what will happen to us in the process we don't know but our eyes are upon Jesus And we're going to walk with him. And we're going to continue crying out until revival comes and God steps down from heaven and grips the heart of men and women and children and with a mighty flame of God's love burns through the wickedness in our culture and calls those who will to repent, to come alive, to walk in service to Jesus. I have been so touched by the love and the kindness of our Father, by his mercy, by his constantly carrying us. We praise him for this, We have time for a few people to call, to pray for revival. Don't call and try to talk with us. Just call, and when it's your turn, just pray. Pray for revival. Pray to enter into this covenant. The phone number is 877-534-0780. Again, that number is 877-534-0780. Just call and pray online with us for revival. Almighty God, you are a covenant-keeping God. You are a God of great, Holiness and righteousness. And you want to move in power in America today. You're waiting on a people who will meet the conditions. Lord, so many I've spoken with, pastors and others. They want revival, but they're unwilling to meet the conditions They want to keep their cigars. They want to keep their alcohol. They want to keep their sports. They want to keep the wicked habits and idols of their lives. But oh yes, they want revival. Oh Lord, would you come? Would you hear the cry of your people? Those who will turn aside from every wickedness who will turn aside from every idol who will give themselves entirely to travailing prevailing prayer who will not stop giving who will not stop praying who will not stop all the will not stop trusting you Jesus so today i come with alexandra Lord, regardless of what anyone thinks or says, we will not turn aside until you have heard and answered our prayer. Lord, we're nobody. We're nobody. But Lord, your covenant is for those of us who are nobodies. And you will hear our prayer and answer. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Kevin, are there any calls? Lord, we need you. And we just come and cry out. Lord, it's not more preaching that we need. It's not even more teaching we need. Lord, it's you we need. We need your Holy Spirit. We need the quickening power of your presence to break down the wickedness of our age. Lord, I see some of the young people with all of their tattoos and their body piercings Their wicked appearance, the wicked things they're doing, the sexual uncleanness, the drugs, the aimlessness. Lord, we need you to come and rescue your people. Lord, I plead your blood. Great and mighty is your name. I plead your blood today. For you alone, you alone are the desire of my heart. Lord, many who are listening today are so caught up in their worldly Christian life that they don't even want to call and pray. because the thoughts are around them and not others and not about you, Jesus. Lord, I'm praying for revival on this radio broadcast. I'm praying that your spirit will come in such power and such glory in the lives of the people who listen to this broadcast that they will be made new in you, Jesus and that they will enter into this covenant of 2nd Chronicles 7:14. Lord, would you have your way? Lord, I praise and I worship your name. Thank you, Jesus. Any calls coming in, brother? Let's play that piece of music, Send the Rain. Did you find it? welcome please pray
3: hi I want to pray Lord you're the great healer help us to trust you and seek you rather than indulge in the destructive behaviors uh, that we've been indulging in and um, help us to seek solace in you and trust you to heal us rather than indulge in uh, drugs or alcohol or sex or anything else to trust our Lord I mean
2: Thank you. Amen. Brother Tom, Brother Tom, we have just a couple minutes. Please pray.
3: All right. Father, I thank you today, first of all, for the love that you have for the church and all mankind. God, you're a God of love and you're a God of power. And today I thank you also for Pastor Ray and Sister Alexandra for willing to step out on nothing but your word to believe you for revival in the washington area and for the united states and god i'm just asking that you pour out a fresh baptism of the holy ghost and fire on your church god that there would be a release from heaven upon each and every soul that calls themselves by the name of the lord and god i thank you today that you are moving that things are happening we may not be able to see it with the natural eye but uh, the spirit man is receiving a download from heaven, knowing that you are working behind the scenes. And, God, there's going to be a breakout, a breakthrough for the church and for the people of God today. And, Lord, that souls would be brought into the kingdom because of the love that we have for one another. Let there be a breakout of love in the midst of the church. Let there be a breakout of fire, breakout of signs and miracles. And, God, we give you praise and thanks for today in Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Thank you, Brother. God bless you.
3: Thank you, you, Pastor Ray. Hang in there. man. You're doing a great job.
2: Well, we're almost out of time. Uh, Brother Kevin, how much time do we have? We have five minutes. Um, I want to share with you quickly. We'd like to hear from you. If you were shy to pray, and I thank the two who were bold enough to pray, could we hear from you, and whether you've decided to enter into this covenant with God, write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195.
1: Please also go to our webpage, NationalPrayerChapel.com. That's NationalPrayerChapel.com. You can listen to this message again, as well as our past messages. You can also send us an email. You can find more information on our blog about the gospel, about confessing and forsaking your sins. There's a lot of wonderful material on the webpage That's NationalPrayerChapel.com. And we also invite you to follow us on Facebook and on Twitter.
2: I'm very grateful that you have listened and supported. I'm grateful for your prayers. I'm grateful for the incredible love of Jesus Christ. But it's time to get very serious with him. Some of you are beginning to be very serious And that's reflected in your life by your actions. One man said to me, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I said, why don't you stop being ready to follow Jesus and why don't you just follow him? Why don't you put into action what you say you're willing to do? It's time to be that serious with Jesus. It's time to turn aside from everything of this world and the flesh and the devil. Alexandra and I have given Jesus everything we possess. Time, money, energy, our love, our commitment, our prayer life. Everything is circling around and focused on this covenant with God. That he will answer and hear from heaven, and he will bring revival to America. We trust him. He has won our hearts by his incredible compassion and love. And we are deeply stirred with compassion for men and women, boys and girls. We're completely lost in the confusion of this culture. God wants to save them. Will you join together with us? Will you support this ministry in continuing to cry out for revival? We're not going to back away, we're going to press even harder. We're going to travail in prayer with all all of our hearts until Jesus comes down from heaven in mighty Holy Ghost power and sweeps across this Washington metro area. It's time for revival. I don't want to talk about revival. I want revival now. And so we're doing what we have to do to make certain that we're in a covenant-keeping relationship with God. We're not asking this for ourselves. We're asking this for everyone and especially for you who listen to this broadcast. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee.
1: And I'm Alexandra Greenlee.
2: We love you. We trust Jesus to move and direct your heart to enter into this covenant. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.